please take your copy of God's Word or your smartphone and turn to Matthew 16. I know, I know, we're finished with Matthew's, Matthew's Gospel over these many, many, many months of working our way through Jesus on every page. We've made our way all the way through the Old Testament to Matthew. But today, after we've had Matthew's instruction over the course of the past few months, now what do we do? And I've titled today's message, we'll be looking at verse 24 and 25 of Matthew 16 in a moment. Are you a convert or are you a disciple? The reason I've titled this this way is a number of weeks back, I had a conversation, Vicki and I had a conversation with our son Ryan and his wife about the difference between a convert and a disciple. And we're going to kind of walk there today, and over the course of the next few weeks, we're going to look at what is biblical discipleship. What is a disciple? What do we do now? A man by the name of Ryan Duncan wrote this, so bear with me. Converts are new believers. We all start as converts. Too often we stop there. We make Christianity all about what we believe. Converts aren't bad or wrong. They are like babies. There's nothing wrong with being a baby. The problem comes when that doesn't change. When a baby acts like a baby, it's cute. When a 35-year-old does, it's sad. As Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 11, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child, and when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. While a convert may cheer Jesus from the sidelines, a disciple is someone who is willing to step onto the field and work for Jesus. This can take a number of different shapes, Ryan writes, getting involved at church instead of just showing up, removing a negative influence from your life, or perhaps even making the long walk towards repentance. A true disciple should never be satisfied with pithy mantras and accessories of faith. Rather, their belief in Christ should be at the core of their being and flow from them in thought and deed. So each of us should ask ourselves, am I behaving more like a convert Or a disciple? Are you sitting comfortably in the dark watching the world go by without much care? Or are you shining a light so bright and beautiful that when people run towards it, they see the love of God reflected in you? Simply this, a convert checks the box. A disciple is all in. So what is a disciple? This morning, obviously, we get the, the, our English word discipline from the root word for disciple. A disciple is one who is radically committed to learn how to follow Jesus in every dimension of his or her life. Are you with me? A disciple is a lifelong learner. What then is a disciple maker? A disciple maker is a mature, growing Jesus follower who is actively working to reproduce Christ-like behavior in the life of a few people. So thus, discipleship is the actual process 
of equipping people to follow Jesus in every dimension of their life by means of personal investment in their life. Now, let me tell you a few things that discipleship is not, and pay close attention. Discipleship is not church attendance. Hang on. Although faithful, consistent commitment to your local church is both commanded and critical. Discipleship is not solely another Bible study. Although as disciples and disciple makers, God's word gives us our marching orders. And Bible studies are incredibly helpful. Discipleship is so much more than an accountability group. And here's a biggie. Discipleship is not a method, but it's a choice followed by a lifestyle. Now, to quote the title of the first required reading book, uh, required reading book when I began seminary a long time ago was C. Spot Run. Just kidding, that's not what the book was. But the very first book, I'm seeing if you're paying attention, the very first book I was required to read was written by Walter Hendrickson, and the title of the book, I still have it, many of you have read it, Disciples Are Made, Not Born. Right? Disciples Are Made, Not Born. Have you noticed even when we've read the Great Commission that we see in the Great Commission, it just assumes that we will go and make disciples. It doesn't, just, it, it doesn't even think about the fact that we will get saved and be a convert and stop. A convert 30 years later, 3 years later, 60 years later is a joyless, a joyless life. So over the course of the next couple of weeks, we're going to be leaning into this whole issue, as I mentioned, of a biblical discipleship. We're all familiar with Jesus' words because we have been over and over and over from this pulpit over the past few weeks, the Great Commission. And I join with every preacher of my generation, Bible-believing preacher of my generation and beyond, in saying the Great Commission is not the Great Suggestion. We must be a church that does more than just listen to the word. We must love and be, what of the word? Doers of the word. We must be a church that does more than sit and soak. We must seek and share Jesus' love. Crossroads is more than a gathering place. We must be a going place. We are a launching pad. True discipleship is a church and its people turned upward and outward. So our journey begins today as we unpack from God's word, what is the price of discipleship? And over the course of the next couple of weeks, we'll look at the process of discipleship and, of course, the product of discipleship. So read with me, if you will, our focus passage, Matthew 16, beginning in verse 24. And I pray that this takes deep root in your heart and mind this morning. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So if you're taking notes, write the price of discipleship. Remember with me that that Christianity is unique among the religions of the world and that Christianity consists not of man seeking God, 
but God seeking man. You know, Dr. Rogers used to say so many people say they're looking for God is about like a criminal chasing after a police officer. It just doesn't happen. Jesus said in, in, in John 15, 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. So here's some, I pray, soul, heart, penetrating questions. Are you a disciple of Jesus Christ, or are you only a convert? Are you radically in love with him? And I want to add here, do you admit as a disciple of Jesus Christ that it is impossible to follow him without the help of the Holy Spirit? I just added that in. That's very important. Are you willing to pay the price to be a disciple and a disciple maker? Now, be encouraged today, no matter how long or how far you've gone in in the wrong direction, you can always turn around. We call that grace. And I just want to push the pause button. Were it not for grace, huh? Were it not for grace, where would I be? Where would you be? Todd Atkins pointedly reminds us of the price of discipleship when he said, don't ask God to guide your steps if you're not willing to take a walk. Wow. Considering the price of discipleship, let's, let's unpack this a little further. The price of discipleship in Matthew 16, 24. Look at the word here, wishes, or desire. First of all, write down desire. The first price of discipleship is desire. If anyone wishes to come after me... We must have an insatiable desire to know and follow Jesus more than anyone or anything else. If you find yourself, like a number of us, if we freely admitted this, that your love for Jesus has dimmed, or your love for Jesus has, there's been, someone has rolled something in front of it, and the cares of life, and the craziness of the world, and the chatter of all the news, and all that, is just kind of crowded in. Would you just be willing to say today, Jesus, I I do want to know you. I I desire, I have this unquenchable, insatiable desire to know you and to love you better. Lord, help me to do that. So the first price of discipleship is desire. The second thing is it says, let him deny himself. It is denial. Uh, We throw this word in and some of you went, oh, wait a minute. I'm getting a little toe-stepping going on here, Rob. Denial. Friends, we must deny, deny, daily deny our sinful, selfish self. We must give up our right to reign in our own life and surrender to King Jesus' rightful authority, his rightful place, and his rightful position in our lives. You may have a desire for many things, and maybe you're not denied anything that you want but maybe it's time that you deny yourself some type of pleasure just to help you focus on that insatiable desire to follow Jesus. Is anybody in? So desire, denial, direction. That's also the price of biblical discipleship. It says take up his cross. We must take up our cross and 
follow me, Jesus says. Carry the cause of Christ. Be willing to be, be willing to go, and be willing to do for him. Someone said, if you bear the cross, it will bear you. I love that. Why? Because he loves you. He died for you. He redeemed you. He gives you an abundant, purposeful, joyful life. He puts other believers around you, like even in this room today and beyond, that love you no matter what, most of them. Do you have other believers in your life, outside of your family, that know you very well, but they love you no matter what? Do you? If you don't, then you need to kind of find some other friends. Because in their lives, no one's perfect. I found in my many, many, many faults, the handful of people that love me have loved me even more when I have messed up. It's been hard, but I'm grateful for them. He loves you. He died for you. He redeemed you. He gives you an abundant, purposeful, joyful life. And you know I was going to say this. He's coming again for you. He's coming again. Do you believe that? He's going to part the eastern sky. He is coming again. I'm looking forward to that day when the, the grave diggers do not even get that grave closed on someone you and I know and love, and Jesus raptures them right out. Before those flowers even fade, before you can even eat all of that chest pie in your home to afterwards to celebrate their life, that the Lord Jesus would part the eastern sky. Without dreams and direction, we reach nothing. Without love, we feel nothing. Without Jesus, please hear this this morning, we are nothing. The cost, the price of discipleship is to become involved in God's thing rather than my own thing. Push the pause button here. Have you been doing your own thing too long? Not that it's not important, but... But God's thing is a whole lot more important, and you're going to enjoy it a whole lot more, and you're going to have even more peace. Oh, you may take a big cut and pay, but you'll have more peace. There are men in this room, and I'm sure some women as well, I had a conversation with someone this week right along this line. I could make, if I, I would be willing to take a huge cut in pay to be able to spend more time with my family and more time alone with the Lord Jesus. That says a lot, because we all have this small little thing called bills to pay, right? The great go mission reminds us, Jesus says, and lo, I am with you always, all the days, even to the end of the age. Such a challenging command demands a great promise, and so it has. Jesus promised to be with us all the days of our life. I may go weeks saying this over and over and over because I need it in my life, and I believe many of you do as well. Listen to me today. Please hear me as your pastor and friend. Please hear this. Jesus will never leave you nor forsake you. He's not forgotten you. He is not going to give up on you. He is not a cosmic killjoy. He's not, ra- he's not waiting to spank you. He is waiting for you to run into his open arms. Just ask the prodigal son. Just ask anyone that has struggled. 
He wants intimacy with you. And it can't happen, happen if you just check the box. I love David Livingston, obviously, and I've used two or three of his illustrations that have enjoyed reading a lot about this incredible man. David Livingston, of course, was a world-renowned doctor and missionary. By the time he returned to his native Scotland to address the students at Glasgow University, the previous 16 years uh, he had spent, of course, in service of our Lord on the continent of Africa. As he stood before those young men and young women, the tremendous price extracted of Livingston was plain to see. Over those 16 years, he had had more than 27 different fevers that had coursed through the veins of his body, leaving leaving his body emaciated and ravaged. One arm hung useless at his side, the result of being mauled by a lion. The core of his message to those young people was this, and I quote, Shall I tell you what sustained me amidst the toil, the hardship, and the loneliness of my exile? It was Christ's promise. Lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end. When Jesus promised to the disciples on that mountaintop nearly 2,000 years ago is yours today, what he promised. The presence of God that Livingston experienced can be experienced by you today. The companionship of Jesus Christ is offered to every believer as he or she makes his way through the world. Jesus, by means of his Holy Spirit, promised to always be with those while we were fulfilling the great commission. The great commission. By the way, I said this a couple of weeks ago. Always means, literally, all the days. Isn't that great? Anybody have good days and bad days? Anybody highly allergic to Monday? I'm just curious. Last week was weird, wasn't it? I mean, Monday, uh, allegedly a holiday, then Tuesday comes, and it was awful awful having to do that all over again. Days of strength always means always in days of strength as when days of weakness always means in days of success as in days of failure, always mean days of joy and in days of affliction, liberty and temptation, health, And sickness, laughter, sadness, wealth, poverty, obedience, disobedience, youth, old age. The day of new life, new birth, and the day of physical death. He's promised to always be with us all of the days. And remember, you will be with him and he will be with you all the days of your life. You're not alone. Surely I'm with you to the end of the age. Now, the book of Matthew, I don't know if you noticed this when we read this, I think, last week, closes with a simple amen. And many of you said amen after these months of us preaching through Matthew. Amen. Let it be. So be it. It is unwaverable. It is unchangeable. It is steadfast. Let it come about. Let's be biblical disciples. Let's be biblical disciple makers. Why? Turn back to Matthew chapter 9 with me, if you will, right before we finish here. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. Matthew 9, verse 36. For when he, Jesus, saw the multitudes... 
He was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers and to his harvest. That's me and you. If nobody else shares Jesus, I'm going to share Jesus. Is that your cry? Is that your heartbeat today? To be a true disciple is costly. The price to be a disciple, desire. If anyone wishes to come after me, there must be denial. Deny yourself. There must be a direction. Take up his cross and follow him. God help us to be more than converts, but to be true biblical disciples. Father, today, as we move toward our time of invitation, I pray that you would reach into the hearts of every person in this room. And if there's anyone here who's never said yes to you as their Lord and Savior, that they would say, yes, Jesus, today. Do you know him? Not just in your head. Has there been a time in your life, dear friend, and if you're watching online, please do not click off yet. Come to Jesus right now. If you've never said yes to him, in just a moment, we're going to stand and sing a hymn of invitation. I'm going to ask no one to leave. Don't gather your things, please. There'll be men down here to receive you. If you're more comfortable with the social distancing, you can go out into the lobby. They'll meet you there as well. Just take a few moments. But would you come today saying, I need Jesus in my life. I want Jesus to rule and reign in my heart. I need a Savior. Would you do that today in just a moment when we stand to sing? I beg you, don't leave, I beg you, don't leave this place without knowing for sure that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. If you're here today and you just need somebody to pray with you, come. If you want to come to the altar and kneel or stand or pray, you can get up even now from the top of the balcony, the choir loft, the overflow rooms, wherever you are, come right now. If you want to come with someone, come. You can do that right now. You're here today and you need to be baptized. You've given your heart to Jesus. You need to set up your baptism. Come, we'll be happy to do that. Maybe you're here today and the Lord has tugged on your heart about vocational ministry, missions. We would love to come alongside you and pray with you and walk those steps with you. And as I was praying this morning, the Lord put this on my heart to extend to you today. Maybe the Lord has called you to seminary to college we have an incredible place here in town you can do it while keeping your job or taking care of your family at home this is not a commercial for them this is just reality you just thought no no if God's calling you to do that could we pray with you today about that finally if you're here today and you've been looking for a place to call home the doors of our hearts and of our church swing open. If you're imperfect like we're imperfect, would you come today? Bring your family, bring yourself from the top of the balcony all the way down here. 
please don't just be an attender. Be a family member. Be all in. It would bless us greatly, and I know it would be a blessing to you. So if you need to trust Jesus today, come. If you want to pray with someone today, come. If you need to set up your baptism, or you're considering ministry and want somebody to pray with you, come. If you believe the Lord is leading you to crossroads, come. Father, would you move in every heart, in every life, in this time of invitation. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together and sing. Who would be the first to come today? Just a-